Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Craft Brood Sports, brought to you by the Loudmouth Network. I am Mike, with me as always, my main man Scott. This is Craft Brood Sports, Scott. Ready to tap this keg of sports knowledge, bruh. On the road again. <laughs> I am indeed. <laughs> yeah, here we are, you man. You pump all poor. Oh, alright, thank Sorry. you. Sorry, uh, I love No, it's fine. My it's, bad. It's totally cool, man, I understand. So excited. Yeah, man, uh, another week, another brewery that we're hanging out at. Uh, this week we're at Blank Slate Brewing here in Cincinnati. Yes, sir. This was one that uh, we. This was like one of the first ones we contacted, right? Yes, this was one of the first ones we contacted, and this was high on the uh, priority list. Only because I've been here, I, I know yeah. some people here, and it was really. You excited got the hookup, is what you're trying to say? Uh, maybe got connects. <laughs> but yeah, I was definitely excited to uh, <laughs> that they invited us in and agreed to host us. So yeah, thank very you happy to, to be here. Yeah, thank you to Blank Slate for having us. This is going to be a good time. We are going to be joined by Scott uh, LaFollette, I think. Uh, the owner? Yeah, he's uh, yeah. he's the <laughs> owner, founder of Blank Slate, so he's uh, going to be sitting in here in a little bit. Hopefully, uh, you know how it is with brewers. They got shit to do, man. He's running a business, and we're like, hey, come talk to us. <laughs> he's like, man, I'm trying to make money. We're like, okay, we'll be over here in the corner. Hopefully getting free beer. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting yes. into profit margin. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's let's uh, first off, um, off the top, I just want to say to those of you watching on Facebook Live, uh, apologies ahead of time. The Wi-Fi is a little sketchy, so if the video is buffering, sit tight. Um, you know, get your questions in. We're gonna open up the drunk line. You can call us as always four four zero thirty seven drunk. After upper deck, we'll open that up for everybody. Um, but if if the video is that bad, I'm gonna upload a new one later on tonight. So. Don't worry about the choppiness. Yeah, although I just realized I haven't started recording the video, so fuck that. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so this so is enjoy what, you what you're seeing. It may just be uh, this is this just uh, gets deleted. That might happen, too. That's a very real possibility that this uh, choppy video. I don't know. Maybe once it's all said and done, it's all right, and it plays smooth, and it'll be fine. Who knows? We're going to find this out together, everybody. That's all I'm saying. Just cut us a little bit of slack right now. Anyways, let's talk about the beers that we do have. Uh, as always, our uh, customary thing that we do in these in these uh, did breweries. We, did we go live on Facebook? Are we? Actually? Yeah, it's live. Oh, okay, cool. I think it's live. Because it didn't notify me. And I'm like, wait a minute. We're sitting here talking about the choppy <laughs> video, and I don't even see that we went live. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it went live. I don't know. It could be that slow that, that it's still waiting to go live. No, it's live. We're fine. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, uh, shout out to, uh, to Matthew. For, for listening in and his comment of lag. <laughs> <laughs> yes, lag. <laughs> Can you get my uh, headphones there, brother, if you knock yes. out? There we go. Hey, we, and here's Scott coming in. Yeah, come on in, man. We just got started. <laughs> Pull up a chair, man. 
trying not to mess How you feeling, up. Scott? Am I on? There, there, yeah, we, there go. we go. Hello, hello. Uh, we're check, figuring, check. We're figuring stuff out here, man. Little setup here, a little live little remote, tight. Right? Yeah, that's how you it goes. You never know what's going to happen. Scott, right. how do you say your last name, man? I think I'm, I might have butchered it at the beginning of the show. Probably did, but that's okay. La Follette. Oh, La Follette. I did mess that up. You were uh, close. I it's did. A, it's a very Americanized version of a French name. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and Scott, you are the owner, head brewer here at Blank Slate. You're you're the guy at this place, right? Uh, I am the. Uh, my my most common titles are janitor and <laughs> chief check writer. That, that definitely means you're the guy in charge. And so not, ne- and not necessarily those. in that order. <laughs> Last week at Fibonacci, uh, Bob was washing dishes. So I know how it goes, man. For, for I the washed dishes earlier up. today. I scrubbed the toilets earlier today. Uh, what else did I do today? I wrote some checks. Uh, <laughs> answered a lot of emails. Um, I actually... Uh, Cooked down two pounds of dried hibiscus flowers. Really? Uh, and added them to a, a batch of beer. So, yeah, I'm kind of doing a lot of everything. Is, is that one that you already have out, or is that a new beer that you're... Uh, it's, you're it's, it's, one, it's one we do with some regularity. We don't okay. have it on tap right now, but uh, it's it's something we do regularly. Is there anything else with that hibiscus? It's a, it's a hibiscus saison. Uh, it's actually hibiscus and coriander. Uh, the coriander nice. goes into the to the boil part, but the hibiscus is all done afterwards. So you're literally making like a, a very concentrated hibiscus tea, which uh, I'm pretty sure like in the Middle Ages, hibiscus was something that was used to make red ink for okay. like writing on the walls of caves and stuff. So it's it, it basically is red ink when you're playing with it. So I probably my hands may actually still be a little bit right. I think I got most of it off. There's probably some under my fingernails still, but That's that's one of those where like after you have like six of them in the night, you go to the bathroom you're like, I gotta go to the hospital. Well it's not quite something, that bad. It's not, it's not something bad. horrible has happened here. <laughs> what are you drinking on, Scott? So I'm in a bit of an interlude right now, so I'm actually drinking um, our house made mineral water mixed with some blood orange syrup. Wow, nice. So I'm totally non-alcoholic at the moment, but that's only because I've been drinking for the last five hours. <laughs> Got to slow down at some point. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> is that like the hardest part of working in a brewery or owning a brewery to be like, hey, let's slow it down a little bit? Because <laughs> No, I mean, today, tonight's not actually a normal night. Um, I had to, I just came back. I was here earlier tonight, but then I had to go to a uh, event we were doing in another location. Uh, so I was hanging out there and, you know, drinking some beers and, and talking with some folks and uh, hobnobbing, if you will, uh, and then, <laughs> then came back. So I'm pacing myself a bit tonight. This is definitely not a normal Friday night for me. Usually by now I'm half asleep at home. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like us, man. Like when it's not a show night, it's like 930. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bedtime, wrapping bro. it up. <laughs> yeah. Super excited about it. Like, man, really glad we did a show this week. Glad it wasn't on a Friday night for once. I'm going to take advantage of it by going Great. to bed early. <laughs> As I get older, though, you know, it's for every X number of beers, you have to drink X number of glasses of water, or else you don't have a good night. Yeah. So, and, and, so that's where I am right now. Morning. I'm in one of those interludes. I'll, I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> was the uh, the event you were at? Was that for uh, Beer Week? Yes, it actually was a beer week. There you go. So for those of you that uh, that might be out of state listening in, it is Cincy Beer Week this week. Um, so what's going on this year with uh, with Cincy Beer Week? Anything special that, uh, that people can expect? Although I guess at this point, 
It's almost Beer over. Week's so over. It's yeah. all, oh, it's all. I think we got tomorrow is, I think, the end of it. Um, I mean, kind of the same thing as, as it is every year. You know, breweries doing special beers, doing special events and tappings. And uh, uh, we have several different collaboration beers nice. uh, that we do as a part of Cincy Beer Week. So for us this year, it was a little bit different. Um, it, they do multiple collaborations. But one is kind of more the official Beer Week beer. Yeah. Uh, so they do multiple collaborations. Most of them are just keg only. Only one of them gets packaged uh, and sold to retail. And our this year was our turn. Nice. So, so we did the retail version uh, this year. So we had a little extra responsibility because um, we had That's to do awesome. some packages inside of things. But um, yeah, so we were just at an event with a couple of other breweries uh, at Dutch's uh, Bar and Bottle Shop. Okay. Up, in, up at Hyde Park. Plug for them. Good uh, spot. They, yeah, it's a cool, cool place. They got all the beers, man. They do. That's the that's the place to go to. Uh, all right, cool. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the beers that we got here, Scott. Maybe you can uh, give us a little breakdown of each of these. Um, Scotty K, why don't we start with you and, and what you're drinking? Uh, well, I have uh, Out and About. Um, it's kind of difficult. I'm trying to read it upside <laughs> down. So uh, that's a little bit of an issue. But uh, I have The Rising. Uh you have shroominess, Shroom. out and about, rising up, and many hands make for light work. All right. <laughs> we should have just asked. I can, I can read. It, I can read it upside down. <laughs> I was gonna say. I was like, I, I, I'm not good at reading right side up. So, <laughs> so can you talk to us about the uh, four beers that I have? Yeah. Well, so it looks like the one you've been drinking on the most there uh, is many hands makes for light work. That is our uh, Cincy Beer Week collaboration beer. So that is awesome. a dry hopped pilsner. Uh, so it is a lager style, uh, pretty pretty clean malt character, uh, pretty easy drinking, pretty approachable, but not very happy at all. Yeah. Like. So the the idea with that beer is we we wanted to give it uh, a little twist to the traditional pilsner, uh, so we dry hopped it, uh, which is a process that you do uh, to add a lot of hop character, but not necessarily hop bitterness. So it's not a bitter beer at all. Uh, but it has a lot of very floral, citrus, fruity, juicy kind of hop flavor and aroma to it. Uh, but it doesn't have that bitterness that you would get like in a traditional IPA or something like that. So it's a little bit of a different take on you know a traditional German style Pilsner. And is that the one that's getting packaged? For yeah, that was the one that packaged. That was nice. brewed in collaboration. It was us, uh, Listerman Brewing Company, oh, Morlon, uh, Christian Morline Brewing Company, Municipal Brew Works, and Narrow Path. That's awesome. How very, hard, very how hard is that? Before we go into the rest of your beer, how hard is that to like collaborate with those other guys? Like, because I, I imagine it's kind of one of those things where you guys all have your own way of doing things in your own style, and now you're getting with somebody else, and now you've got to match their style, and like, you know, maybe not be the guy, and maybe back off it on certain things. Like, how difficult of a process is that? It, it's really not difficult at all. I mean, okay. Uh, we, we, <laughs> well, no, <laughs> all, all, only in the, only in the respect of. I mean, we we know all these guys. We're yeah. you know. It's, there's really no egos involved or anything like that. Um, but what it is, usually is, is it's a collaboration where we're brewing it once, we're never brewing it again. Right. So it's not like you have to have some level of, you know, how are we going to make this beer consistently? Like you can just really get kind of creative and it's like, we're only going to do this once. If it means we have to use some raw materials that we can't normally get, yeah. it doesn't matter because we never have to make it again. Uh, so it's it actually everyone gets kind of really creative. Sometimes you almost have to rein it in a little bit because everybody <laughs> wants to kind of get a little crazy with stuff. Um, but at the at the end of the day, you know, usually you know there's there's a lot of discussion. We talk about it. We you know maybe we go down a rabbit hole here and there, and we have to bring ourselves back. But 
at the end of the day, usually it, it comes down to the brewery that's actually brewing it and what we can do and what we can't do. You know, there's certain things we can do that maybe other breweries can't and vice sure. versa. Uh, so there's certain ideas that just won't work. Maybe another guy can do it, but we're not brewing it there. We're brewing it here. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, it usually comes down to the, the other brewers have to defer to us a little bit just because everyone's system is different. So we talk about the flavors we want, the profiles we want, what we want it to be, what we don't want it to be. Uh, but it still kind of comes down to us to say, okay, well, for our equipment and our system, how do we get that to come through yeah. um, from a recipe standpoint? Um, so it's a very collaborative process, but at the same time also – at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to what we know we can do and what we can't do to try to uh, get what we're looking for. That's awesome, man. I've always wondered that. Like, yeah, I just, but that's good to hear, though, that there's no egos involved right. and that it's not oh, this God kind knows. of contentious yeah, process. I picture, like, fist fights of, like, <laughs> no, motherfucker, we're putting honey in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, it's definitely not like that at all. <laughs> that's uh, awesome. <laughs> all right, what else, uh, what else do you have on yours? I think we have two of the same because I've got the shroominess um, and I've got the rying up as well. You got both of those on there? Yeah, the rising yep. up. Yeah. Yeah, so you have okay. two the same. Um, and then <laughs> two that are different. Um, so, uh, yeah, the one you picked just picked up is rising up. Uh, so, yeah, you both have it now. Yeah. Uh, rising up is our rye peppercorn saison. Saison's a Belgian uh, based style. It has a very distinctive characteristic. Uh, from I the love e- this from one. The I've e- had e- this one before. E- yeah. So it's a very uh, characteristic yeast profile. Gives you uh, a little bit of a peppery character, but then also a little bit of kind of a, an estery fruit character. Uh, we kind of amp that up by using rye malt, which gives it a little bit of a spicy character as well. Not like a chili pepper heat, but just a right. little like a peppery kind of spice. Mm-hmm. And then we actually use black and white peppercorns in it as well to kind of ampli- amplify, just subtly amplify that uh, pep- black pepper characteristic that's already in the yeast. It's um, got a really good flavor, man. Like. Yeah, it, it's 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 a it's it's a fun beer. It's a little bit of a deceptive beer because it is an eight percent beer. Ah, um, that's what I'm talking about. Right now, I know I like it so much. It doesn't really <laughs> drink that way. But it does not that's kind feel of like that idea. at all. Uh, it's it's real. It's it's also really it's purposely designed to be a food pairing beer. Okay, so that built that beer was specifically built for uh, the different flavors of different foods that it can pair with. So it's a really good beer to drink with, like. A light grilled seafood dish. Uh, you can have it with a, uh, a really nice salad that has a, a very fresh vinaigrette dressing to it. Um, and it can be very complimentary to a lot of different foods. And it was uh, very specifically designed for that reason. Uh, so it, it's a beer that's really meant to be drank with food. Yeah. So how do you guys come up with the names? Because I like the names for these. The <laughs> up and whatnot. How do you guys come up with those? Uh they mostly come from me, but uh, we do get a little bit of, of outside influence here and there. Uh, a lot of it, honestly, there's a lot of the names usually have a, a couple of meanings. One is kind of more the public meaning, and one is almost more of a private meaning to me. Um, a lot of them are named after uh, just points in my life um, and how I felt at the time when we were we were doing. Oh, you got it. No, you're good. I just okay. wanted to make sure it didn't go. <laughs> oh, my ear, my, sorry, the sound of my ears just totally changed, so I don't want to make gotcha. sure yeah. right. Pardon me. <laughs> um, so some of them are kind of play on words as well. Um, the beer, the beers that you have, uh, for instance, uh, Rising Up, is it's a little bit of play on words because it has rye in it. So the first part of Rising Up is spelled R-Y-E. Uh, and it's ri- but Rising Up in general is just it's it's – 
you know, rising up, rising up from the dead, rising up from being at a lower level and bringing yourself up to a higher, a higher level. So it's, it's it, the beer is really, you know, it's, it's all about rising yourself up, you know, and improving yourself, bettering yourself. Um, the mini hands make for light work is just kind of a nice way of talking about the fact that it's a collaboration. Yeah. You know, nice. Many people were involved in making that beer work. Um, shroominess is is just kind of a play on words because the beer has mushrooms in it. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, out and about is it's it's again a little bit of a play on words and the fact that, that that's a really light, refreshing beer that's good when you're out and about. Yeah. And, and, and I I, I, actually, I love I love naming beers that are kind of like common turns of phrase because sooner or later if we ever get big enough and have enough money to pay enough lawyers I can start suing people like <laughs> like if you the like, American dream well oh, in respect to like you know if you're watching the weather forecast all the time they'll be like the weather forecast is like well if you're going to be out and about today there's going to be a chance of showers or something. Like, I want to say man that's going to cost you a nickel every time you say that yeah. um, I like the planning that would end up I don't know that we'll ever officially accomplish that plan but it's fun like yeah, it's fun when you hear people say the word. I mean, it doesn't resonate with most people other than me. It's like when I hear people say that just as a common turn of phrase, I'm right. like, hey, that's one of our beers. <laughs> Th- thanks for the free plug, even though you had no idea you were doing it. I like that. <laughs> I like this thought that you're slowly trying to brainwash people into drinking your beers. Exactly. Like every time I see Steve Raleigh on TV and he's like, if you're out and about, I'm going to be like, I want a beer I right did, now. I do blank slate Shit. now. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, now you said Shroominess has mushrooms in it uh it's shiitake mushrooms right? yes so that that beer is uh we refer to as an imperial brown ale it's also another eight percent beer uh it's an imperial brown ale that is brewed with shiitake mushrooms so what we do is we take dried shiitake mushrooms and if you've ever like made a very traditional stir fry at home you have like dried mushrooms and you you rehydrate them in a little bit of hot water and then you put the mushrooms in the stir fry Mm -hmm. well that little bit of water that's left over kind of turns into a broth it's a very, very earthy, uh, if you're familiar with the, the term umami, which is uh, a, a flavor characteristic, like kind of the, the earthy character that you get from like soy sauce is considered yeah. uh, umami. Um, so it's a very earthy character. So that beer was born from one night I was making stir fry and I was drinking a brown ale and I had rehydrated some mushrooms and I had this little cup of broth there, and I was like, oh, you know, what's that taste like? And you try it, and you're like, wow, that's really super earthy. Mm-hmm. So I dumped a little bit of it in the brown ale I was drinking, and I was like, oh, my God, that's <laughs> an amazing flavor combination. <laughs> so from there, I just, you know, started working on a recipe. This was in the homebrew days, and I started working on recipes to do it. So we basically take dried shiitake mushrooms, and we infuse them in the beer uh, at the end of the boiling process. So it's warped, so it's hot. Uh, so we're basically making a tea. We're rehydrating the mushrooms in a very warm, very in the wort uh, when it's warm. We then remove the mushrooms. The mush- there's no actual like hunks of mushrooms floating mm, in this right. beer. But basically, it's that broth that's left over after you rehydrate the mushrooms. All of that liquid is essentially what we're infusing into the beer. So it's it's a it's a brown ale that has a little bit of a, of a earthier malt character to it. We use a little bit of earthier hops in it, and then you have just that little bit of earthy mushroom character. So it's not. The beer doesn't taste like mushroom soup or anything like that. <laughs> right. uh, it just has this very uh, depth of character that's a very earthy, uh, umami kind of characteristic to it. I love stories like that. I when know. You hear about the and, history and again, of a beer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, that, that beer is another beer that's designed as a food pairing beer. So that is a beer 
that works great with any kind of grilled meats, like grill out of steak, and you got that nice char crust on it, and then you drink it with this beer that has that very earthy malt character to it, and it's, right. a, it's just a really, really good compliment. I love this this image in my head of you just like sitting there like, hmm, I wonder what that tastes like. <laughs> right. Oh, that's pretty good. I'm going to put that in beer. Like, I, mean, it's I actually do I, I do that a lot, actually. <laughs> that's awesome. That's basically how this entire brewery has been built. <laughs> See, and that's what it's I love. amazing. I, yeah, I picture, like, a lot of brewers being like, you know what, I, I might put some ranch in this and just see what happens. <laughs> so we make a beer. Um, oh, we my don't God, have, tell we, me you make a ranch beer. No, but. Oh, no, but I was just going to say, I was like, oh, no. Greatest. I'm not saying I won't, but we haven't yet. Um, no, we make a beer. Uh, it's, it's, it's only one time a year. It'll actually be, we'll be making it here in about another month, and it'll come out in August. Uh, so it's Cincinnati, you know, with big German heritage. You have Oktoberfest season. Right. So we brew uh, in late August, early September. We brew a very traditional Oktoberfest okay. style beer that we then infuse with toasted fennel seed, fresh sage, caraway, peppercorns, a little bit of smoke malt, and a little bit of rye malt. We call it Turn for the Worst, spelled W U R S T. The beer tastes like a sausage. <laughs> no oh shit. My God. But. In every way that you would think would be good for a beer to taste like a sausage. I mean, there's no actual meat in it. It's not like we like dripped hot dog fat. Right. right. Uh, it's 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 all the it's it basically what it is. It's it's a play on the olfactory senses. Um, you have all those different spices in the beer. That when you have all those spices in combination, even if I literally just put those spices in your hand and made you eat them, you would your senses would make you think you were eating a sausage because that's the flavors you traditionally taste right. in a very traditional wor- uh, worst sausage. So we infuse that into the beer, and it's literally, it's Oktoberfest the beer and Oktoberfest the sausage in a glass. That's fantastic. That is amazing. <laughs> and, and, Such a good idea. And, and, and that was born from just literally you know, one of those ideas. It's like, well, look, like if you're at Oktoberfest and you're drinking a beer and you're eating a bratwurst, like you take a bite of brat, you wash it down with a drink of beer. Right. You're tasting all those same flavors at the same time. Right. It's like, well, why don't we just... Combine them. Put those together. That the is best amazing. Of and then to, to go one step further, um, here in the tap room, we'll we'll serve it um, with a shot of pickle brine. Oh, so nice. we a- we actually so we actually source. Uh, it's a it's a mixture of several different pickle brines that are uh, custom made by uh, Dutches. They do a, they do six like six or seven different kinds of house made pickles, and we actually do a blend of three or four different brines to get the right pickle brine character. And we'll actually serve it in the tap room with a shot of pickle brine on it, in it, and it tastes like a sausage with relish on it. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's a, but, the depth of flavor is here. I know that's the craziest thing. In, in all the ways that that sounds like the worst idea ever. <laughs> no, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> it to, trust me, it totally isn't. No, it seriously sounds, and that's what's amazing to me. Like that, you're able to think through kind of this this whole profile, like. It's almost like a, they always talk about musicians like and, and people who create uh, orchestras and mm-hmm. symphonies back in the day, how they're able to hear all these different parts that most people wouldn't really be able to put together and know what that finished product is going to sound like. That's how you are with your beer, man. Like You're able to come up with these, like, oh, I'll just put this peppercorn and then I'll do this and it, it's going to taste like a sausage. Like, I don't... 
I don't know many people mind. that I would are never able get to put, that far. Right. I'd be like, I, I'm going to eat a sausage first. You got you to eat a sausage first. And then it's going to taste like sausage when you burp afterwards. And I'd yeah, be like, exactly. I want this beer to taste like beer. Well, <laughs> I want beer-flavored beer. Well, here, here's the thing, though. Um, we do some of these very odd and weird things. Um, we really try to do them in a way that at the end of the day, it still tastes like beer. So there's, there's a lot of beers out there that, quite honestly, I consider to be novelty. So it's, you know, beer that's supposed to taste like this or it has this in it or has that in it. And it can be very overdone um, to where it just doesn't taste like beer anymore. It's, it can be very one-dimensional, one-note. You know, if it's a peanut butter-flavored beer, you drink it, and all it literally tastes like is peanut butter. Well, right. then it's not beer anymore. Right, uh, right. So when we do these things, we do a lot of weird things and add a lot of weird ingredients, but we try to really do it in a way that is very balanced. And it, when you drink it, there's no mistaking the fact that it is still beer. Yeah. It is not some randomly weird concoction that is now not beer anymore. Yeah. Uh, so we really try to bring it back where we're doing these different flavors, but at the end of the day, it's still beer. That's awesome, man. I'm super impressed. with right. As like much as that process. beer tastes like a sausage, it still tastes like an Oktoberfest. That's so underneath. amazing. That's so yeah. amazing, too, because it's so easy to lose that You know, yes. at that point. It's it, so it, take, easy it takes to, a balance to, to go hand, too far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I got two more beers. I think right. we covered your flight, right? Do we have uh, I don't know the other one that we had, but I think oh, that overlaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have that one, right? Uh, no, I don't no, have out and about. No, okay. I have Moving On on Nitro, Okay, uh, which... Any beer on nitro, I'm on board with. So yeah, it's been sitting there for a little bit, so it's not quite so yeah, nitro-y now. But right. Yeah. It's, yeah. No worries. It's, uh, and then I have Fume. So, so Fume's a fun beer. Fume's one of my favorites. Um, unfortunately, my tastes don't generally jive with the general public, so even though it's one of my favorite beers, um, it, has, it, has, it has a very good following, but it's a very cult following, if you will. Uh, that beer, we refer to it as a Cherrywood Brown Porter. That's awesome. Uh, so most people, most people, when you, when you say porters, they're used to things like Great Lakes Edmund Fitzgerald right. beers like that, and those are it's beautiful, beautiful beer. That's a robust porter, so it's def, it's it's a little darker, got a little more roast malt, chocolate, coffee kind of characteristics to it. Uh, a brown porter is really kind of a blend of a brown ale and a robust porter. It's a it's an old English style that basically doesn't exist anymore. So it's kind of in between. So it's not quite as roasty, not quite as dark, not quite as chocolate coffee as a porter, but it's a little more of all of those things than a traditional brown. Uh, we in, we use a, uh, a little bit of smoked malt in this beer that's uh, smoked with cherry wood. So a lot of people get scared. A lot of people get uh, scared with smoked beers because... Again, American, you know, as Americans, we tend to overdo everything. So a lot of smoked beers are just overly smoky. You're just they, drinking a campfire. They literally taste. <laughs> what's, I, well, what's if, it's, if it's dr- if it's drinking a campfire, that's great. A lot of them taste like licking an ashtray. <laughs> no, well, Sam Adams made one recently in one of their variety packs, and the first time I had it, I didn't taste it. And a buddy of mine at work, I was like, oh, man, I love the flavor. And he's like, really? I had it, and it tasted exactly like, you know, inhaling campfire fumes. And I'm like, no way. It was good. The next time I had it, I tasted exactly what he said. And I'm like, this is over the top. Like, I couldn't do it anymore. I got halfway through it, and I'm like, it just tastes like you're inhaling smoke. Yeah. Yeah. So so this has just a very little bit of that. And there's a couple of different kinds of smoked malt that you can use. Uh, the traditional German smoked beers, which are super smoky, sucking a campfire, licking an ashtray, 
Uh, those they're smoked with beech wood. Okay. Which is a very uh, smoky wood, if you will. Uh, the grain we use in this is smoked with cherry wood, which is a much softer wood. It has a much softer smoke profile. Uh, and we really restrain it to where it's just a kind of a, a background note in the okay. beer. It doesn't, it doesn't, you, you taste that little bit of smokiness, but it's the kind of smokiness you taste in, I'm going to go back to the sausage analogy, but like in a smoked sausage or a smoked meat or a smoked anything, like just that little bit of smoke character in the background. Yeah. Not like, oh, I just chewed on a plank of burnt wood. <laughs> um, so it's a very subtle character, but it's but it's important to the flavor profile of the beer, beer because it has it has it has a pretty. It, it's a very clean finishing beer. It's not big and thick and syrupy or anything, but it has some depth of malt character where you're getting some caramel malt. You're getting a little hint of chocolate, a little hint of roast malt, and then just a little hint of smoke. Uh, so it's meant to be a very balanced beer, especially for a smoke beer. Um, what, like I said, smoke beers can tend to turn a lot of people off because the one time they had one, it right. was like licking an ashtray. Right. Um, so this is definitely not meant to be that in any way, shape, or form. But it's it's uh, it's something we we're actually at the very end of it. Uh, it's a beer we generally do in the uh, fall and winter. Uh, we ran a little bit long on it this season, so yeah, now it's summer. But we're on literally, I think, our last keg of it. Um, oh wow! So it's kind of Glad a hold- I got it. it. It's kind of a <laughs> kind of a holdover from the winter months. It's a little more of a wintry beer. Um, we really like to try to brew more for the season. So a lot of sure. lighter beers in the spring and summer, darker beers in the fall and winter, and we really try to rotate things out. Um, so that's about the darkest thing we have on tap right now well i'm glad you said that because we'll have a user question for you uh that's coming up uh we're we're gonna get into upper deck right now uh so if you want to hang out man we'd love to have yeah i'll i'll Uh, I'll sit back and not hog the mic no please man this is your this is your show this week this is your brewery yeah you're the you're the guest man so chime in whenever you want um, but, yeah, we've got a question that came up this week, so I'm glad you brought that up about the seasonal beers. Uh, but, Scott, let's get into Upper Deck, man. Speaking of Upper Deck, as always, it's brought to you by Audible.com. Fans of Craft Brood Sports can get a free 30-day trial membership to Audible, complete with a free audiobook download. Even if you cancel the membership within the 30 days, you still keep the audiobook. To get that free audiobook and test out the Audible service, go to audibletrial.com slash craftbrewedsports. That's audibletrial.com slash craftbrewedsports. Or just go to our website, craftbrewedsports.com, and click the Audible tri- Audible trial link in the menu bar. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Gronk ran up a $100,000 bar tab over the weekend last week. Jesus. That's it. That's all I got. That's the whole story. The moron spent over $100,000 at the bar. Uh, It included 160 bottles of champagne, and it was split with 20 of his closest moron friends. Okay, so we did that story about the dudes uh, at the the Stanley before the Stanley Cup, the Predators fans. Oh yeah, with that, that spent, bunch of, what was that eight hundred bucks? I think it was over a thousand. It was, was like thirteen hundred okay. or something like that. All right, but that was five dudes. This was twenty dudes that spent a hundred thousand dollars. That is unreal, Scott. What would you do if somebody came into the bar right now and dropped a hundred thousand dollars on on booze? Um. <laughs> <laughs> The expected I, answer. I would I would name them president and CEO. <laughs> You'd be like, here's this paddle, man. Go stir up some wort. <laughs> you work here now. Yeah. I, this That's blows my mind that somebody would to me. drop this much money. And, I mean, 
obviously he's got it to blow, but right. I mean, why do it? Why? Dude, he's going to be broken. And I was reading that people said, oh, well, this protects his brand, and this is who Gronk is, and yeah, this is heightened his profile. And I'm like, you can heighten your profile by doing well on the football field and maybe staying healthy for a season. Buying $100,000 worth of alcohol in one night does nothing except for bros who think, oh, man, that's right. so cool. Um, like, yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. First of all, how many bars have a hundred grand worth of alcohol on hand? Like, I don't know. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> so if you come in here and drop $100,000, well, you know what you're going to get. Not $100,000 worth of bears. <laughs> you're getting the building. <laughs> that's seriously. Okay. Let's take a step back now that I say that. That is almost the cost of my house that he spent on booze in one night. So, I, I started this company with not much more than that. That's fucking unreal to me. That is unreal. So solid investment for one night of drinking. All right. Yeah. Good. Moving on. Moving on. Way to be, Gronk. Um, all right. So this is a, a cool story that I saw this week. So a lot of times after a major golf event, the courses will open up to the public or the members of the, the course if it's like a private course. Uh, so this past weekend, obviously, was the U.S. Open. And the, the PGA golfers just tore Aaron Hills up this week. Like, it was... Uh, I think I read where the top 10 finishers would have won any other U.S. Open except for, like, two. So had they not all been in this tournament, if they had scored that same score in any other U.S. Open, they would have won. Sounds, they like, like, me. sounds like me in fantasy football <laughs> every week. I would have beat everybody except for the guy I played. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so Aaron Hills opened up uh, after the, the tournament, and on Monday, J.J. Watt, uh, he got to play the course. Uh, he played with four of his friends. Now, everybody obviously all weekend long has been talking about how this course has been pretty easy for these guys. They're killing it. They're they're scoring really well. Not J.J. Watt. Um, <laughs> J.J. Watt. Shocker. He, he won his group. Uh, he shot a 117 and took a 10 on two of his last four holes on the course. I played Tiger Woods <laughs> back in the day. I know that's bad. So by comparison, just to put this in perspective, uh, Brooks Kepko is the guy who won the tournament. He's 29 years old. It was his first major win. He shot a final round 67. So right. his final round, he beat J.J. Watt by 50 strokes. So That's a you, lot of strokes. If you combine Kepka's first and second rounds, he loses the J.J. Watt's one round by like 10 strokes. Like that's how that's how much of a difference there is between professional golfers and regular dudes. So if you're sitting at home ever watching a, a golf event and you're like, yeah, I can make that shot. I can hit that one. No, you can't. You, <laughs> you fucking cannot do it. Uh, JJ Watt just proved that's the case. That's brutal, man. Yeah, but that's also assuming that you're as shitty at golf as uh, J.J. Watt, because apparently he's no, pretty shitty at golf. I, I don't think there's... I know I could do it, too, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I could totally do it. I think what people don't realize is, like, the Monday after a tournament, this is, like, professional pin placement. Like, it's the golf course is playing the hardest it will right. ever play. Like, the pin placement isn't... Where they no- normally have it in the middle of the green, like it's so you get an accurate representation. Right, of you get to where really you see. are. As you get to, to experience where you hit the ball and it lands on the green, and then next thing you know, it rolls twenty feet to the left. And you're like, how the fuck did that even happen? <laughs> it's like, oh, because the pin is in a spot where if you don't hit it within two feet, the ball's gone. Like right. that's that's the crazy thing that people don't think about when you watch golf on TV. Uh, but yeah, JJ Watt. Not good. Stick to your day job. <laughs> maybe have that anymore? Yeah. May, maybe call up Gronk. Go drink it. 
Uh, moving on, we talked a lot last week about uh, Mayweather McGregor and that deal getting done uh, for obvious reasons. But as Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> it looks like someone forgot to check the calendar first because uh, before everything came out last week, T-Mobile Arena is actually booked on August 26th by none other than Ice Cube. And we love talking yes. about the big three on this show. And it seems that everyone forgot that the big three league already had the championship game booked for that day at T-Mobile Arena, except for Ice Cube. He noticed <laughs> he was immediately. Like, he saw that press release and was like, what date is that? That sounds familiar. No, uh, it was more like, what date was that? Cha-ching. <laughs> uh, but for all of us that might worry that uh, this would screw up the fight, we don't have to worry. Uh, Ice Cube said that if they want to do what they're supposed to do and make us happy, yeah, we'll move. Uh, we're talking about it. I think we can get there, which, shocker. Yeah. Money talks, and I mean, why wouldn't he sell right. the date? It's not. It's nothing set in stone for a reason. Right, exactly. What, was he planning to do a screening of the movie where he re- drives in, with his family in a camper? <laughs> Are we there yet? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, I've never actually seen that, but that would be a great reason. That would be even a better reason that if he had. Be- Sold the arena out for a screening of that. That should be the halftime show of the Big Three Championship. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, get ready for Are We There Yet? <laughs> Wait, what, what's happening right now? <laughs> so Ice Cube said that provided they make things right, which of course they will, he'll move the Big Three Championship game to MGM Grand Garden instead. Uh, but between Mayweather McGregor and the Big Three Championship game, Vegas sounds like... Where we need to do a live show from. 826, man. On August 26th. Let's find a brewery in Vegas. I'm going to save up my pennies. (laughs) I need to start asking permission last year from my wife. But hey, honey. Uh, Longer (laughs) than that as far as I'm concerned. Uh, This story's great, though, because like you said, this is seriously like the dude who bought the property. Yes. This this is like having over the Rhine property yep. years ago and now that everything's booming you're yep. like oh you're like, yeah oh, fucking this what? is paying off y- you want me to sell oh absolutely <laughs> I'll sell no problem yeah ice cube the slumlord here at <laughs> T-Mobile Arena i just love this idea that these guys so either one of two things happened either they booked this fight and somebody was like yeah yeah we're, we'll totally do it and that's exactly like, what happened fuck or they were like yeah, no, Ice Cube will move. We'll totally, we can make no, that work, No, I, I too. think it was a combination of both. I think that they were so excited to get this fight and set the date, and then somebody probably was like, oh, but that's the same day, and they're like, well, we don't care because we'll, we'll figure that out. We get this fight set, we'll worry about the details later. <laughs> they were like, Ice who? Right. <laughs> yeah. Ice Cube will go away. He'll melt for a few thousand, for a few million dollars. We'll, we'll, we'll get rid of that problem. It's good. I, is it weird that I'm? I would rather watch the Big Three Championship game though than that fight. Uh, no, I'm actually kind of upset that I have to choose. I mean, you don't have to choose. The you can you can watch both. Is it? Is the Big Three Championship gonna be on TV? I I presume so. They're all being televised That's on true. FS1, so I would imagine the championship. So game would be. that makes the decision even easier because it's gonna be free to watch that game. And the Mayweather uh, fight. Gonna, I'm not going to pay for the other one either. So <laughs> somebody's going to have it somewhere right, that I can watch do. it for free. Fox Sports go on the phone and watch the uh, watch the Big Three Championship game, and then Mayweather McGregor at the bar where you don't have to pay or, for it. Hey, even better, <laughs> we go to B Dubs and be the those guys. We do. Hey, we want to do a show, but can you put one of the TVs on Big Three? What? Are you fucking kidding me? It's the night of the fight. 
Yeah, but I no, also want to see the big three. We just want this one like right behind the bar. It's, you do this, it's this the championship one? game. I mean, you got to put it on, right? Iverson's in it. Come on. People would be like, the big what? I'm going to Netflix. Are we there yet that night? <laughs> Full circle. Love it. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, all right, so I didn't know if we wanted to do another, uh, hey, hockey teams have awesome social medias, uh, but uh, we could do one uh, because this week the Vegas Golden Knights had their expansion. The Golden Showers? Yes, yeah, the Golden Showers. They had their expansion draft where they got to pick players from other teams and, and fill out their roster. Um, and their social media team went all in on troll mode to troll every other team in the NHL. What they started doing, and this goes back to what the Blue Jackets had done in the past, uh, they started tweeting out pictures of every available player from every NHL team, and then they would at the team in their tweet and ask fans who they should take. Oh, shit. So it was, hey, at Blackhawks fans, who are we going to get? <laughs> and had a list of all the players who they could pick from the Blackhawks, and they did that. With every NHL team, that's pretty. That's that's dedication. <laughs> it's also brutal for fans of the team who don't want right. to see those certain players go. Right. Uh, I think it's amazing. Uh, and then it says, uh, let's see. They've got Edmonton Oilers fans have, haven't been shy about tweeting us for ten months with who we should take. So we ask again, uh, and then they threw out the list of who's available. Uh, they asked the Florida Panthers, go ask Dad, who should, who should we take from the Florida Panthers? <laughs> uh, then they they literally, like, had, I mean, it's it's every single team. It's amazing. People started tweeting back at them. Um, so it, it's basically started their, their expansion off on, like, this foot of, yeah, we got some swagger. We're a team that's right. going to, we're going to mess around. We're going to have fun. Uh, and I love it. As an expansion franchise, you might as well go for something like that. Right. But if you're asking the fans of another team who you should take from their team, wouldn't they just inherently answer whoever's the worst, worst on yeah, their team? Right, like, the worst. Oh, okay, we should take that guy? Cool, that's what we'll do. And they're like, ha-ha, suckers. <laughs> I, maybe that was like the, the game all along was like, all right, let's make the fans talk about who the worst player was because they're and not going to take the other one. Right. <laughs> well, not even that, just like then at that player. Be like, hey, man. This, These guys this want fan you base gone. thinks you're terrible. <laughs> you should come play for us. Not even that. Just, all right, now you sit with that while you go back in that locker room. <laughs> you enjoy time in Edmonton now, fucker. <laughs> Knowing that your fans don't even want you there. You were just voted the guy most likely to be taken by an expansion franchise. <laughs> your hometown team hates you. <laughs> I do think that this is a good way because, I mean, hey. We're sitting here talking about the Las Vegas Golden Knights right, when again. we otherwise wouldn't be. So uh, they're I'm getting sorry, publicity they're the themselves. Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, that's right. They, they dropped don't have the loss. The loss. Ah. Get it right, Scott. Sorry, I can't keep my Vegas franchise Killing. straight. Because then you're just saying the, the Vegas. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's a good point. Holy shit, I never thought of that. I don't know Spanish, so. <laughs> is, are the rest of the teams that are moving to Vegas, uh, did they keep the loss? I'm pretty sure. So is it it's the Las Vegas Raiders? The, the Vegas Raiders? It's the Raiders, so nope. who cares? That's what we're calling them from now on in the show. The, the Raiders. The, the Vegas Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> moving well, on. Go. Only good thing Vegas Golden Knights have done is that. That's it. Yeah, they're not going to do much good on the They the passed ice, up Oshie. So. They passed up Oshie in the expansion draft. Why would you do that? Wait, that, that that was an option? Yes, I think they had the option to take Oshi and they passed up on him. 
Wow. That's well, crazy. They're already poorly run. Terrible. Terrible. Well, moving on. Uh, further proof that baseball's unwritten rules are archaic and stupid. This week, J Justin Verlander had a perfect game going in the bottom of the sixth inning against Seattle. Uh, now, in the unwritten rules, you're not supposed to bunt to break up a no-hitter in a perfect game. Although, I thought this was only late in the game, but apparently sixth inning counts as late enough in the game to not yeah. do it. Which is weird, but another reason why the unwritten rules are stupid and unwritten. Right. But... Uh, that's just what the Mariners left fielder Jared Dyson did. With nobody out in the six, Dyson laid down a perfect bunt to break up the perfect game. And not only that, it led to a rally for the Mariners. The next batter walked. Then Gene Segura singled to load the bases. Then the Mariners knocked in a run. And two batters later, it knocked in the two-out double to make the game 4-3. to three, And the Mariners went on to win the game 7-5. Which is exactly why the unwritten rules... Are ridiculous. So stupid. Like, if you abide by this ridiculous, unwritten rule of baseball, that rally likely never starts. Well, it I mean, never I guess starts. it could. And I understand that, like I said, it's usually later in the game that it's, like, I know there was a big deal way back when Kurt Schilling had that perfect game or no-hitter, whatever it was, and somebody bunted in, like, the eighth or ninth inning, and they got all worked up. And I don't think that the score is necessarily close. But again... If you're playing to win the game, you never know There's, what's going to happen. Yeah. If you get on base and next thing you know, a rally starts. i got to be honest. Whenever I play baseball video games and I'm getting no hit, the first thing I do is bunt because fuck that. I'm not getting no hit. Right. That's, that's crazy. Does the computer throw at your head after that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I wish they would implement that. I hope they program the AI <laughs> for the future to just do that. Start headhunting. <laughs> Scott, I like that you're picking your spots on this. This is damn good stuff. Fantastic. The uh, most perfect ones, too. It'd be great I, if at the end of the game you got a message. Hey, you were an asshole. That's why we threw at you. <laughs> the computer becoming self-aware in the baseball game. I am glad that Verlander was like, no, it's fine. I don't, I don't care. Even if he was really mad, he didn't let on that he was really well, mad. Well, because if you're a baseball player, despite also adhering to unwritten rules you also got to know in a situation like that you would hope that your team would do the exact same thing to try to get the win that's right. what you're trying to do is win the game so even if you're furious as a pitcher who ends up losing the no hitter and the perfect game from that you got to sit there and remember oh if it was if the coin was flipped i would right. totally want that to be my guys doing something like that to rally our team to a victory yeah i agree uh, all right, well, let's stick with baseball, kind of. Uh, this week, the Mets single-A affiliate Columbia Fireflies visited the Charleston River Dogs, a Yankees club. Now, if you don't Ooh. know, well, you're about to really be a fan of that Yankees club. No. Uh, yes. <laughs> because if you don't know the Columbia Fireflies, that's the team that Tim Tebow is currently playing for in the Mets organization. And as we all know, hail Tebow. <laughs> As we all know, minor league teams do some hilarious shit for publicity. The best. Uh, so for this game, the River Dogs decided to troll the absolute fuck out of Tim Tebow. Uh, the River Dogs mascot wore John 316 eye black, the same eye black that Tebow sported throughout his days in Florida. Uh, they played Hallelujah each time Tebow came to the plate, which I always love when a team will play walk-up music for, for an the opposing away team. Play. 
the Reds used to do that with Corey Hart when he played for the Brewers. They would always play I Wear My Sunglasses at Night whenever Corey Hart uh, came up to bat because apparently he hated that song because of that reason. <laughs> so they'd troll him every time. But I love that. So they played Hallelujah. Uh, and then my personal favorite, they changed the name of every member of the Fireflies team on the video board when they came up. <laughs> and their name changed to Not Tim Tebow. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, as funny as it is, of course, it pissed people off, namely the Mets GM, Sandy Alderson. Fuck Sandy Alderson, though. Yeah, he said the move was, quote, minor league. Ha, ha, ha. Get it? Because it's a... Well, at least he's team. got a sense of humor about his sense of humor. <laughs> uh, eventually, the River Dogs issued an apology saying they were making fun of Tebow's celebrity and not his religious views. Sorry if they offended anyone. Blah, blah, blah. I fucking love this story. This is great. <laughs> and there should be no apology. I mean, you know, no. this is part of the gig. If you're going to do something like Tebow's trying to do, then you have to accept whatever goes if, along with it. If you're the guy that doesn't play baseball for seven years and then gets a signing bonus and a contract that most guys never right. see in their career, you got to learn to take this shit. Right. And, and in fairness, it wasn't Tebow that complained. It well, was the Mets who complained was, for him. I was just so. going to say, I bet Tebow laughed along with it because he's that type of guy. He does seem like the guy that was like, gee willikers, guys, that was a good one. Yeah, like, you really got me. <laughs> I, I highly doubt that he was sitting there just stewing about everything. I mean, you know, he's a good enough sport that he's not going to be going up to the booth afterwards and cussing everybody out in there for doing something No, he like went that. up to the booth and was like, you know what, I'm going to pray for y'all. <laughs> well, need, that's much more Y'all likely. need Jesus. And then he walked away and they were like, that one kind of hurt worse than if he had punched us. Actually, I, I like to think that that's what happened. <laughs> y'all need Jesus. Y'all need Jesus. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Uh, so there you go, Tim Tebow. I want every MLB minor league franchise that plays against Tim Tebow and the Fireflies to do this to him now. Might as well. Just to fuck with him. Why not? You're already getting the fans in the seats because he's there. Might as well have a little fun with it. Yeah, and your fans are there to talk shit to him. I've been to minor league games. That's where you can talk shit and they can hear you. So you know the fans are talking shit to him. I almost got kicked out of a Florence Freedom game the only time I went to one because, yeah, there was like 15 people there. And uh, we were sitting on the first base side, right behind the first baseman. And after the fifth time that the second baseman threw a ball to him, you know, to get a guy out, and he just like let it go through his legs, <laughs> I kind of went like, "Come on, what the fuck is wrong with you?" And he, <laughs> and he heard me, <laughs> and he turned around and gave me this really dirty look, and I was like, "Oh, I should probably shut up." Now. <laughs> oh shit. Especially the freedom where they're but, not even like affiliated. They're just like yeah, yeah, they're it's, dudes it's, that have day jobs. It's not <laughs> even minor. I felt bad afterwards, but it was just like you know, the kind of stuff you'd say at any baseball game after the first baseman has like his fifth error in hey, three man, innings. But if like, you're gonna f- be out there, he's we getting paid to be there. Up. Yeah, he's he's no, got to learn. The most it. important question, though, did he let another one go through his leg the rest of the game? I don't really remember. Oh. After that. <laughs> Too much sausage beer? I might have been drinking. <laughs> well, also an acceptable response. <laughs> this has been Upper Deck. I did, I did shut the fuck up after that, though. <laughs> this has been Upper Deck. And, and, here, and, and actually, here was the best part. So when the game was over uh, and they're leaving the field, uh, you know, there's not like they don't like go down in a dugout and disappear in a tunnel. Right. Minor, not, not even minor league baseball. They actually walk up like through an aisle in the stands to get out, 
and the way they walk oh, out shit. is literally the aisle right where I'm at. I'm in like seat one of the aisle, and when they're done, they you know do the good game, good game, shake hands, and they start all walking towards me, and they're walking like through a little gate and up the aisle where I'm at. I'm like, oh crap, I gotta. <laughs> I was afraid this guy was gonna just totally just. <laughs> cold cock me when he walked by. Is that when you give him the uh, a good game, man? Because that would be the, the no. Biggest... I, I I literally moved. I was like, I ain't taking a chance. <laughs> that would have been awesome if, like, as he was leaving, you were just like, "Hey, man, you played a great game." Just to really fuck with them. And then he went, "Bam." <laughs> he's not gonna risk that twelve dollars a game that he's making to punch a fan. <laughs> Florence Freedom. They had the the giveaway after the whole Manti Teo story broke and his fake girlfriend. Right. They had the uh, Manti Teo's girlfriend bobblehead night where it was just an empty box. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. That's pretty funny. That's a damn good troll job on their part. Uh, well, everybody, the drunk line is open. Uh, oh, that was Upper Deck brought to you by Audible.com and Drunken Fan Heckling everywhere. Uh, Matt Ken Martin wants to, us to know that he's been kicked out of multiple Cyclones games. <laughs> <laughs> That, that takes some skill because there are some drunk-ass people at those Cyclones Cyclones, games. Cyclones have dollar beer night. <laughs> the, the question is, the multiple times he was kicked out, were, were any of them not a dollar beer night? Because that's an accomplishment. Like, getting kicked that's out on true. a dollar beer night, right. whatever. That's right. an hour. But if it was not a dollar beer night, that's <laughs> something to be proud of. <laughs> yeah, I paid I paid seven dollars for these beers and got drunk enough to get thrown out. <laughs> That's dedication. Oh shit! Well, the drunk line is open, everybody. Four four zero thirty seven drunk. Uh, call in. I don't even know if you can hear us on Facebook anymore. Things are so uh, so garbled right there. <laughs> uh, but if you can hear us. Hit the number up, 440-37-DRUNK. Any questions you got for Scott, any questions for us, any comments, whatever you guys want to talk about. It's slow in the sports world right now, man. So, All right, so we're to, about to talk NBA draft. <laughs> no, not yet. We're going to talk to Scott oh. a little bit more about okay, points cool. later. Okay, because that's much more exciting. I mean, <laughs> it's way better than talking NBA draft. Right. Uh, so, Scott, tell us a little bit, man, about how you got started. You said you were homebrewing for a while. What, what led you to go... Okay, I'm really good at this. It's time to start selling this shit. So, I started homebrewing when I was in college. Um, in oh, engineering. sorry, oh, wait, Scott. Right, right off the bat, we got somebody's somebody calling. Hang on, let's see who we got here. Craft Root Sports, who's this? Hey, guys. This is some of your uh, favorite listeners here. That's, that's Glenn. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> How's it going, man? Good. How you guys doing? Feeling good, man. Having some delicious beers, enjoying some good company. It's a good night. Okay. That's good. That's good. Um, we got a question for you. It's, uh, this one's for Scott Kaiser. All right, Scotty K. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, we're going to play a game. Um, it's a who am I question. Oh, Jesus. I hate you already. You're done. <laughs> Hang up on him. Nope, not dropping this call. <laughs> Go ahead, Glenn. Whatever you're ready. Okay. Um, first question is, uh, I play board games, but I don't get off the start. Uh-huh. I think I know um, who this is. Next clue is, I, I, host, I like to host podcasts. Uh-huh. <laughs> Keep going, I need third more clues. Clue is I need to read a fucking, third clue is, I need to read a fucking book. So. Still clueless. Keep going. <laughs> bald. I'm bald. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can say it because I'm I'm feeling it too. Man. Oh, I'm right there wow. with you. Uh, this this phone call are, are got we, all the way real. Are we gonna get? 
Are we going to guess on this? Yeah, uh, okay. it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Glenn. Thank you for calling that, in. That was the burn Scott. of the month. Yeah, that's a good burn. No problem. No problem. <laughs> no problem. Um, you got anything rest, else? Great for? rest of your night, guys. All right, I'll you too. Thanks, bud. The read a book part was pretty tough. <laughs> well, a little backstory. On I mean, that. I don't know you, but um, <laughs> well, a little backstory on that that troll job by Glenn. That that was a little bit. That was on the level of minor league. I love that he waited. He was like, "I'm going to be the first call as soon as the line opens Son up." Of a bitch. I'm going to be so, the first call. So me and me and Glenn are best friends from a long time ago, from growing up. Um, me, him, and his wife were playing trivia, a trivia game about a, three four weeks ago when they came down to visit and i was completely terrible at it couldn't get anything <laughs> didn't matter what it was and at the end of it i self-proclaimed jesus i need to read a fucking book or something because <laughs> i just didn't know shit and so uh, they they had a good time at my expense because i was terrible at yes. playing this <laughs> and they proceeded to tell mike about the story so of course he knew Exactly where Glenn was going with that. Story. Yep, I knew where that one was going, and I'm so glad he went there. Uh, so Scott, sorry about that, man. Uh, that was that's how this show goes. People no like to call in and talk shit, and uh, yeah, no that's how we do it. Uh, so you were uh, we were talking about how you decided to make the jump from home brewer up to I'm going to sell this stuff. Yeah, so I mean, I started home brewing when I was in college and engineering school. Um, long story short, it was kind of the first hobby I ever had that. I was actually any good at uh, being very analytically minded. Uh, you know, I was not very good at anything or art- very artistic, but uh, brewing was the first thing in my life that really appealed to both sides of my brain. Uh, there's a very analytical aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you, you know, there's a lot of process and procedure and things you have to do and a lot of science involved, but there's also equal parts art to it. And it's sure there's not very many things out there where, it's it's really equal parts art and science to make the whole thing work. Uh, so it, it it really appealed to me. Uh, it kind of fired off the other side of my brain that was fairly underutilized at that point. Um, long, you know, so about that time I was graduating college. I had these grand plans. I was going to like start brewing beer in my basement and just like sell it to the bar up the street and you know just start this little thing in my and you know and see how it goes. And then I found out there's this thing called the Department of Liquor Control, um, which <laughs> doesn't which, bitches. which doesn't really let you just do that because you want to do it. So uh, I decided I should take some time and figure out how it's really supposed to work. And uh, I was graduating college at the time, had student loan debt, got a real job for a while, uh, but never it really never left my mind. It was always something that I wanted to do. I spent about a dozen years. Uh, again, working for the man, if you will, but uh, all, but at the same time, you know, learning and studying and trying to figure out how to do it, how to scale up, how to you know do it on a professional level, the business side, all you know, and of course also practicing brewing along the way, and um, so it was, it, it was always something that just you know never, it never left my brain, and uh, eventually I kind of got to a point where I was like, well, you know, I've been trying to figure this out for about twelve years now. Um, you know, I don't know it all. I never will, but I'm also not getting any younger. I either need to, I either need to act on this dream, or I need to just give it up and move on with my life. Um, luckily, I have a very understanding wife who was cool with it, and she said, "All right, if that's what you want to do, then let's do it." Um, and so I, you know, took all the money I had. I've been saving up money, and uh, I actually started buying pieces of equipment and storing in my parents' barn. 
um, just oh, as, as I had money, because I had a decent paying job at the time, um, and just built this place literally from the ground up, basically with my own two hands. Uh, we, I moved into this building in 2011. There was literally nothing in here. It was four walls, a ceiling, and a floor, and the insulation was falling out of the ceiling. <laughs> um, it was nothing. So everything, everything you see in here, I literally built myself. I mean, with the help of a few friends and, and along the way, and this and that. But uh, for the first year of operations of this facility, I was the only employee. Holy shit, man! Um, and even now, it's five years later, and I have a grand total of three employees. Uh, so wow. we're we're still wow. pr- still still very small, still very hands on. I know you know I'm not necessarily brewing every batch anymore myself uh, these days, but I know everything that's going on everywhere in this brewery at every minute of the day. Um, I really like to have my hands in the operation. You know, I'm, I I don't consider myself a CEO that just sits in an office and like orchestrates right. a bunch of puppets doing a bunch of things. Right. Uh, to where, like, I don't even know how, you know, the things in my own brewery work. No, I know how everything in here works. I built most of it myself, put it together myself. Dude, that's um, amazing. That's, yeah, so. That's, that's so awesome. Yeah. That's, so uh, let me ask you this. This is a, a question I've always wondered, and, and we've talked about it on the show before, because Scott is not a fan of beer and cans. Like, he, you, no, you no, will no, pour no, it no, out no, of no. the can. No, no, no. Okay. It's, it's not that I'm not a fan of beer and cans. It's that I got to a point where... I much prefer having it out of a bottle, and if it's coming from a can, like the only way You're I'm going to drink it, it out. Glass. I was going to say the only way I'm going to drink it out of a can is if I'm not somewhere else, and it's it's just because right. I felt like the taste it was so much better. I feel like drinking from a can was a college thing almost. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. I feel like I graduated. Fair from point. Sorry, just sorry that from I. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. I, it's okay because I, I just didn't want right. to get skewed to. It's like I will drink canned beer it's yeah. just i prefer not to if i have the option gotcha so you you have a, a couple different varieties that you actually can and uh distribute now um yes. how far out do you distribute we don't even make it outside the 275 loop okay so but that's still with the amount of beer that's consumed in cincinnati that's a that's, that's a, a large good coverage area, area uh, at least in my opinion like i that, yeah. i think that's a lot especially Somebody who was home brewing, you know, a few years ago. How do you make that decision? Well, of, like fifteen years ago, but yeah. Okay, I'm well, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> make me feel like a dickhead. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. Anyway, you do so, suck. <laughs> how do you make that decision of? Okay, I want to distribute, uh, but I'm going to go cans instead of bottles. Or I maybe this beer is better in a bottle than a can. What what thought process goes into that to to make that? Absolutely. Uh, so I want to. I want to actually address your concerns first. Okay. Um, I'm pointing, and I know no one can see that. That's all good. Um, here's the here's kind of my sentiments on on the, on it. Um, the can, the bottle, a plastic jug, whatever the hell it comes in, that is just a storage vessel. Beer's not meant to be drank out of any of those things. Beer's meant to be drank out of a glass. Whether it comes in a bottle, comes in a can, whatever. If you drink it out of that vessel, you are not getting the full flavor of that beer. Right. Um, I look at it as uh, you think about it this way. You know, it, whether again, whether it's a can or whether it's a bottle. Now, you know, you could argue is drinking out of a bottle better than drinking out of a can. Maybe, maybe not. But both of them are not the way you're supposed to do it. Right. Um, think about it as: Would you eat a meal while holding your nose? Because when when That's you when you when you, when you away some of the flavor. Half of, half of what you taste in a beer, if not more than half of what you taste in a beer, comes from your sense of smell. 
And when you drink a beer straight out of the bottle or straight out of the can, it's like holding your nose. You're, you're totally missing half the flavor of the beer. So it's always better to be drank out of a glass. Um, from that point of view, then, if you look at the can or the bottle as merely a storage device, um, in a lot of ways, cans are a superior storage device uh, in the fact that, uh, that light doesn't get in because uh, light can, can degrade beer over time. Uh, they're better for oxygen ingress because the, the seal on a can is better than the seal on the cap of a bottle. Uh, so from, a, from a storage standpoint, it, it is a better um, package. But I, I also get your point. Like if you don't, you know, if you're out somewhere and you don't have the option to pour it in a glass, and you have to either drink it out of the can or the bottle, which is better. Okay, maybe the bottle's better. But right. you're arguing, you know, which is which is the better of a of a bad scenario. Um, for us, I personally actually didn't really want to can. Um, when we started, when we looked at doing packaging, because it's more expensive, it's a lot more cost, a lot more effort, a lot more work to do it. Um, but when we started, uh, we, we were selling just draft beer for almost four years, and people would ask all the time, you know, when are you going to start, you know, packaging or whatever. Um, towards the last couple of years of that, when people would ask me that question, ninety-nine out of a hundred people, they wouldn't ask me. So, when are you going to start packaging? They wouldn't say, so when are you going to start bottling? 99 out of 100 people would say, so when are you going to start canning? As if it was just a foregone conclusion that as a craft brewery, we were going to can. Uh, So I I really couldn't discredit that and just say, well, we're not going to can, we're going to bottle because it's easier on me. Mm -hmm. I really had to look and say, well, look, if that's what people want and that's where the market is going, then we have to make that decision uh, and we just have to do it now. Because if we don't, we're going to have to probably switch to it in three to five years because if it's growing at that pace eventually it's going to be at a point where it's a detriment if you don't right um so you talked about uh you don't you're not supposed to drink out of a can uh if you had to choose between a can or a solo cup which one are you going with solo cup <laughs> i, I just say, had to ask you're not listening no right? well but it's <laughs> i mean it's not it's it's it's, 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 it's not ideal it's not right. I, it's not okay. ideal because but like, we talked about it before how like the different glasses yeah change elicit different things right. out of the beer you get a different flavor so uh, I didn't know if a solo cup was like no that's garbage like don't just drink it out of the can at that point because <laughs> fuck it it's I, well, a solo cup <laughs> I, I will preface I will preface it a little by a little bit by it depends on the beer um, if I'm drinking an IPA or something like that it has to be in some kind of cup or glass uh, if if I'm somewhere and the only thing to drink is Miller Lite or something like that, then I'm drinking it straight out of the can because in those cases, you don't want to taste that beer. <laughs> yes, my man Scott. <laughs> so it's better. So, so it's better to just 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 open your throat and just pour it down and be done with it. Um, but that's but I mean so at that point you know yeah exactly it, it, I, I would <laughs> at that point I would choose the can over the solo cup but if it was a nice beer that had some good aromatics that were a big right. part of the flavor profile if I had you know if that was my only choice then I'd take the solo cup as being a, a brewer I'm I'm the kind of guy though that, like if I go into a bar and all they have is frosted mugs. I'll literally be the dickhead who says, can you pull a glass out and let it and hand it to me and let me sit here and warm it up with my hands, and then I'll give it back to you and then pour my beer in it? I'm that, I've, so I'm, many people don't know the I'm frosted that, I'm, I'm that like, guy. Awful. I'm yeah. that guy. And usually they just end up spitting in my food and whatever. <laughs> as long as your beer was 
tasting problem. Well, they can't spit. Matter. They can't spit in that because I'm standing right there. They, right, can, you know, they yeah. I can see them. But. So you, you win that one. Uh, as the the guy who owns a brewery and makes his own beer, uh, how much of a pain in the ass is that when you go to like parties with friends where they're like expecting you to be the one to bring everything, uh, or are your friends cool about it? Like, no, 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 we got. We got bottles to trade. No, I, 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 everywhere I go, I have to roll with beer. <laughs> that would suck. I, so I go, bad. I go, to, I go to meet the family for Mother's Day. If I don't have a fucking case of beer with me, they're pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that would be a pain in the ass. Well, okay, so, but it's okay because we got low fills and we got to do something with them. So <laughs> that's true. Okay, so you've done everything from the ground up. You have a hand in everything, and I imagine they're all your babies and your favorite in some type of way, but which one is your absolute go-to or favorite if you had to pick one? Gun uh, to your head. So I always take the uh, very political answer to this question because um, you're right. They are all my babies. Uh, I noticed on your little uh, iPad there there was a, a picture of a child. I assume that's your <laughs> child. It is mine. Do you have one or more than one? I have three. All right. Which one's your favorite kid? <laughs> here's the answer. Here's the answer. Depends all on favorite for different reasons. Here's the answer. Dep- you know, here's the answer. Depends on the day. That's true. <laughs> so yeah. when people ask me what's my favorite beer, I say, well, it depends on the day. Depends on my mood. Depends on the weather. Depends on what I had for dinner. Depends on what I'm going to have for breakfast. Whatever. It, it, very de- it depends on, and it, and it changes day to day to day to day. So we got it's, a, it's a very political answer, but I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Just had to ask. No, I think no, it's man. a good. It's a good. Question. I get it all the time. <laughs> we got a call coming in here. Craft Root Sports, who's this? Hey, it's John in Michigan. What's up, hey, guys? Hey, John, how's it going, man? Good to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. How I'm you, doing great. How you feeling I just about to tell back-to-back you. beer episodes? What's that? How do you feel about back-to-back beer episodes? <clears throat> That's why I'm calling. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching this on my TV right now. Oh, nice. And, it's really uh, choppy. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, it's, it's awesome, man. I, <laughs> I was so excited about the beer episode last week, and now you've got uh, another great brewer on here that's talking about beer, and you guys are talking about beer. Yeah, man. And it's, it's fantastic. We, we so. hear your feedback, dude. We hear so. it. We, we take it in. We talked about hockey, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I like hockey, too. So. I, yeah. I, I actually and, love hockey. Uh, I was excited that we actually talked hockey for a second. <laughs> that's about as much hockey so, as we know, too, was, was that second that we had. His tweets. Right. <laughs> John, what are you, oh, yeah. what questions I, you got, man? And Mike, I'm still pissed at you because of the Red Wings thing. Yeah, and, I'm sorry, uh, I mean, man. you fucked them. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad you guys talked about hockey a little bit today. Yeah, dude, I have fucking I squid my, uh, my Google Home still... Uh, Still tells uh, people that come to my house how uh, you screwed them over. So. <laughs> I love that there's a community of people now who are just like, I don't know who Mike Verlon is, but fuck that guy for ruining the Red Wings season. <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. exactly, exactly. John, I saw you had a question on Facebook, That's man. Funny. Since you're on the line, you wanna you wanna ask your question live? Oh sure. So, you guys are talking about canning versus bottling versus drinking out of a glass. And I'm seeing a lot of microbreweries that I visit that are starting to do crowlers now, you know, which is like a very large can that they do right in the microbrewery yeah. so you can take some beer home. I've never purchased one, but uh, wanted to see your thoughts on it. Yeah, what do you think about that, Scott? Have you ever have you ever thought about crowlers? Uh, cr- crowler, crowlers are fine. Hold on, uh, back up. 
what are crawlers? Because right. <laughs> I was like, I've heard of growlers, and I thought for a second he mispronounced it. I'm like, wait, no, what no, the hell is right. a crawler? A crawler, <laughs> so you know what a growler is. It's a glass right. jug with a little lid so screw on it. You, you pour beer. It's basically the can version of that. How so do you it, seal it right then? Uh, you, have to, you have to buy about a $4,000 machine to do it. So number one okay. right there, there's my problem with them. Uh, <laughs> as a it. business owner, like I don't really, I can't really gotcha. make that investment. But that, that being aside, uh, as far as the beer is concerned, um, you know, when you when you're canning when you're canning beer and you're canning it through a proper canning machine, there's all kinds of things that it does to eliminate oxygen, and oxygen will you know degrade the beer over time. Uh, a crowler machine, you don't have that option. So, um, for instance, for us, when we fill a growler uh, and you know we screw the cap on it, uh, we tell people if if you keep it cold and you keep it in the fridge, it's good for up to a week if you don't open it. As soon as you open it, you got a day to finish it. If I was doing crawlers, I would tell people the exact same thing. Because the way because the way it's filled, it's still letting oxygen in it, and it's not a perfect package. Now, from a travel and portability standpoint, like if you if you're taking one, you're like, hey, I'm going to throw up my backpack and go on a hike. Well, would you rather have a 32 ounce glass jug in your backpack or a 32 ounce can? Obviously, the can would be yeah advantageous in that respect. Uh, the one thing that um, is a bit of an advantage to me with the glass is it has a resealable cap. Now, you know, if, if, if you're at a brewery and you have a beer and you're like, Hey, I really like that. I'm going to get a growler or a half growler or whatever. And I'm going to take it home. I might drink a glass tonight and then I might not feel like finishing it. So I put the cap back on it, put it in the fridge and I drink one for lunch tomorrow and it's still okay. With a growler, as soon as you pop that can, that's it. You're drinking it because there ain't no resealing it. Um, That's true. Yeah, so you don't have that advantage. It's, right. It's, 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 there's pluses and minuses. Um, if if someone's filling you a crowler and telling you that it's going to be it's going to last a lot longer because it's in a crowler than in a growler, they're they're feeding you a lot of shit. Um, <laughs> from a, from a storage stability gotcha. standpoint. Now, the other thing that's out there that some some folks have is they have these very fancy growler filling systems where they put it in this thing that looks like a like a, a time machine space tube thing <laughs> and there's a little head that comes down and it evacuates the growler out and then it fills it uh, under pressure and they, yeah. now if it's filled with that they, it, they're called a pegasus system uh, if it's filled with that then that growler if you don't open it might be good for a couple three months before it starts to degrade because it's because that process they that's used in that removes the oxygen and it, and it, and it fills it a lot lot better than just you know filling it off a tap with a plastic tube um so if someone's filling you one off of those and they say it's going to last a lot longer then yeah there's something to that but if somebody's filling you a crowler and telling you you know oh because it was a crowler it's going to last forever no um but again depending on what you plan to do with it after that you know like i said if you're going on a hike or you're taking it somewhere or you know you're going somewhere and you're going to kill it like you know you're going to take it somewhere and pour it into three glasses for three people fine it's no different than than the growler the thing about it though too you have to look at the pricing wise uh if you're going into a place and they sell half growlers 32 ounce growlers and um say the you know the growler itself costs four bucks and the fill costs say 10 bucks you're paying 14 dollars, but you've got that bottle you can bring back so next time you bring it back it's gonna cost you 10 let's say you're doing a growler and it's still a 10 dollar fill but the the can costs you two bucks Okay, you did a little better the first time, but the next time you come back, you can't refill that can. It's yeah, done. It's toast. True, so right. when you come back, you're buying another $2 can or, or whatever the pricing may be. Right. So you have to take that into account a little bit as well. 
And there's a lot of people who just think it's really sure. cool to roll into a party with a big fucking can of beer and go, look what I'm drinking. <laughs> So you, know, you, you can't you can't discount that either. If, if that's the way you want to roll, then that's your, then that's the way to go. Look, does so. factor in. Hey, I used to get. I, I'm old enough. I used to roll into parties with Foster's oil cans and thought I was, and yes. thought I was and thought I was big shit. This all reminds <laughs> me that I have a damn blank slate growler at my house from when Jared came over and brought oh, it nice. for the housewarming, and I went to go bring it. Drove the different car and it's sitting in the front seat of my other car. So, so here, here's the other secret thing from the brewery side with growlers is you know we make you buy the glass and we sell it on the fact that hey now you own it you can bring it back refill it, it'll be cheaper. We know that everyone takes them home puts them on a the counter on top of the fridge it. and freaking forgets them. <laughs> so we know you're gonna have to buy a new one when you come back most of the time. That's the secret. Oh, like There's that. a peek behind the curtain right there. I actually I always that. keep them in the trunk of both of my cars. <laughs> I've always got empty ones in there. <laughs> that, 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 that's great as long as long as you clean them out real good first. Then that's that's totally acceptable. Right. Oh shit, John! Thanks for calling, man. Appreciate you uh, you question. chiming in. Good stuff there, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Take All right, care. See you, man. Bye. I love John. Oh my god, John's awesome. He's and he makes some good beer. He does. Eventually, he's going to make that switch. I can already tell you that dude's that dude's going to make the jump to open in his own brewery. If he wants to. I don't know. He makes good enough beer, too, I think. Uh, John's a home brewer in Michigan right now, and uh, he kills it. I, I will tell kills you, the, the easiest, fastest, best way to lose your passion for a hobby is to start doing it for a living. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that is so true. When I did stand-up, it was, like, so much fun, and then it became a job, and I was like, mm, I have to work. <laughs> I have to, like, try to get bookings and, like, So, wait, you're saying that shit. we don't want to do this full-time? No, I feel this like is, I do want to quit my job and do this full This time. is different. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> I just want to make sure that we're on the same page. Cause I'm like, I, I could find some gigs if you're... Uh... <coughs> no, I, I'm, I'm all in on this. This is way better. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, we're doing drink orders. Nice. I like it. Beer checks. Yep. I it's like last it. call, I think. So. Oh, oh, shit. Okay, so gotcha. If, if you want something, you better get it now. No, we're, we're doing good. Uh, I think we're... Uh, do, you, do you want to talk a little NBA? We can, but real quick... Do you want to yes. ask that question that Tyson? Asked? Oh yeah, so we did have a we had a question from one of our loyal listeners, Tyson. He actually sponsored one of our segments a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, he wanted to know about the seasonality of the beers and why why is it that dark beers are more of that fall and winter type feel, and then you get into like the IPAs and the fruitier beers for like your spring and summer months. When if it's a good dark beer. Like, I'm the same way as Tyson. I will drink it all year long. I don't right. care. Like, it doesn't bother me. And I told him it was just a feel. I mean, I just I just get into moods, and yeah. it kind of changes with the season where I just don't want a dark beer. Right. And when it, it's I mean, we talked about that before. Like, a, a pumpkin beer. You don't really want a pumpkin beer right. in June. But there are people who are just on board with that flavor and, and would drink that all year round. So why... Why has that become like this industry standard of, all right, dark beers are going to be your winter times, and then IPAs and, and fruitier beers are going to be your summer times? Uh, it, I mean, it, it's a tough thing because you're right. There are people out there that, you know, if they love stout they'll, and they're like, I can drink it all year long, and, and that's fine. Um, those people are in somewhat of a minority. Uh, and I'm just generalizing, of course, and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but when you look at it, you know, as a brewer – um, you know, if I'm making if I'm making a stout in the winter, and I'm just generalizing on the numbers here, but uh, if I'm making a stout in the winter, I can go through a whole batch of it, you know, in a month or two months. Yeah. Well, you know, beer has a shelf life, obviously. So you know, 
if I'm making if if it's good for five months and I'm going through it in two, that's great. Um, you get into the summer, and yes, you certainly have those people who are like, I don't care how hot it is, I'll drink a stout. But there's not as many of those people in the summer as there's in the winter. So in the summer, if I'm brewing a stout, it might take me longer to go through a batch of it than its shelf life is, which means inherently at the end of that, I'm either going to be selling beer that's past its prime yeah, or I'm going to have to bring it back and eat it. So um, it, it just basically comes down to supply and demand. It, it, right. re- it really, truly is a supply and demand and It's thing. financially yeah. smarter to right. not... Yeah, and it's and, and you know and it works both ways because you know in the summer you might be making a, a you know a really really light easy drinking fruit beer. It's great, and it's a great beer year round. Certainly, it doesn't taste worse in the winter than it does in right. the summer. But in the in the winter when it's cold out and you know everyone kind of goes into that you know you, you eat heartier meals you know you're packing on the pounds for the winter kind of thing just the inherent human nature. Um, you gravitate more towards more filling, more sustaining beers. Right. Um, not to say that people won't still drink a really light fruit beer in the middle of winter, but not nearly as many people are going to drink nearly as much. Yeah. So you have to look at it as well. You know, can I can I sell enough of this beer in the amount of time it takes me? You know, that I have to make it before it goes bad. Right. Um, and you still, you know, breweries have light. I mean. Breweries always have like a blonde ale or a coast or something that's kind of their gateway beer, and it's available year round. But they're able to sell, and they might sell more of it in the summer than they do in the winter, but they can still do enough of it in the winter to make it worth their while to sure. do it. Um, but that's not necessarily always the case for everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, some of the beers we have now, some of the lighter beers. Uh, for instance, uh, here's a here's a great example. Uh, Rising up, which you had the, the saison, mm-hmm. uh, we brew that beer year round again because I was going to say it's a great, I've it's had a great that. Come here yeah, we 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 do, we do that beer year round. We sell four times as much of it in the summer than we do in the winter. And and having it, I can Makes totally total see why. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like I mean, as you know, much as I love it, I know that not a, not as many people would want that beer. Right. Once well, it gets yeah. Cold well, and here's the thing: you know, in the middle of winter, you can have that beer, or you can have like three different chocolate, vanilla, porter, stout, whatever thing. That aren't available the rest of the year. Yeah, so there, so there you go. Right <laughs> that sounds so good right now. Chocolate, vanilla, porter. Oh, my God. So, have, um, you, have you have you had the uh, opera cream stout? Yes. Okay. And holy shit, man. So good. So, oh, man. That's we, amazing. Yeah. But, but do you again, need a you know, moment? I do. Okay. But, but, but again, I'm I mean, you know. <laughs> We might not be able to sell enough of that beer in the summer to justify no, that makes sense. You know, doing it. Especially but, when it gets up to like thing about it too. degrees. You're like, well, oh, fuck. And, and the other thing, too, there's a little bit of a marketing aspect of which I always hate to say because I fucking hate marketing. But that's I the was the world just works. thinking that when you were going through this, I'm like, absence, it, absence makes the heart right. grow. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. If, they're, if, they're, if we're brewing some light fruit beer that everyone really likes and it's available all year round, people are like, well, I can always get that beer. Right. Oh, look, there's this new thing from this place or that place. Well, right. I want to try that. I, I know I can always get that beer, so I'm not going to have it. Right. So when you take it away from them and then you bring it back, people are like, oh, shit, I haven't had that beer in forever. Yeah. Oh, my God, i got to get it, blah, 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 blah. Um, so there's a little bit of that to it. It's the same the reason why well. Sam Adams ships every variety pack with to the original Sam Adams. Right. Because, you know, otherwise they're not pushing any of those. Because yeah. you got to do something with it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a little bit of that aspect as well. It's like, you know, you want – you want to get people excited. Hey, look, what's, it's coming back. It's going to be only available for a limited time. So then you can push all the sales of that beer into a, you know, a window yeah. of time. 
instead of saying, well, it's just available all the time. You might sell the same amount of it all year round as you can cram into like a three-month window. Right. Well, if you had those two choices, which would you rather do? Right. Cram it into a three-month window so then I can cram another one into a three-month window right. after it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And guess what? I sell four times the amount of beer. That's so. good. Uh, there's the answer. Brilliant. That's, yeah. <laughs> There's the answer. That's uh, So there you go, Tyson. That was here. more or less what I told him. It's just a feel. That's what I told him. It's just a feel. It, it, if he really likes dark beer, man, you can always find Guinness on draft somewhere. That's true. Very okay. true. Year-round. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk a little NBA draft. Uh, so Lakers took Lonzo Ball. Like we all knew. It was, it, it I was don't think there was any real surprises. secret as the Warriors and Cavs making the finals. Here's, so here's the thing that, that was brought up this week, and I think Tyson brought this up as well on Facebook, was uh, okay, how much of it does it really matter? Yeah, does this even matter? Because as, as far ahead as the Cavs are in the East and as far ahead as the Warriors are in the West, did this draft matter at all? Well, here's the only thing that I can say to that. The only thing. Because everybody agrees that, and you just don't know. I mean, everybody can safely assume that there's no LeBron in this draft. There right. is no generational-type talent. Okay, so you take that. And there's, there hasn't been another LeBron since LeBron. So if every year you're just getting really good players in the draft, it would stand to, to reason that, most of those players, you think, well, they're just going to end up at the way the NBA goes now, that they're just going to end up on one of the two super teams at the time, right? Right. Well, it, it has to break off somewhere at some point. And so even if there isn't a LeBron-type guy in this draft, the way I look at it is everybody forgets that the Warriors were a home-drafted team. Right. The Warriors right. did build through the draft. Like, the, the Warriors, Steph Curry was an, the eighth overall pick. Draymond Green was what, something in the 30s, 35th or 32nd. Uh, you know, you had Clay Thompson who was at 11th. And so they built that team through the draft. And so does it matter when you're looking at it for next season? Probably not. Like, none of these guys are going to change the course of what's going to happen for next year. We're probably looking at the same two teams. Right, it's going to be. But over the long haul, these drafts matter. And they have to matter because, I mean, eventually things will turn. And eventually well, it, things will change. Yeah. Everybody's not going to keep getting funneled into the Cavs and the Warriors. So That's the uh, that's the approach I was kind of taking to it, too, was like, it's not, it may not matter next year, but four years down the road. Right. Five years down the road, then this draft matters. And you look, not only that, like, look at some of the trades that could come from this draft, too. Like, absolutely. That and you look could at a team like Philadelphia, who's been sitting there tanking and getting all these picks and getting all these picks, and now they get Markel Fultz, the first right. overall pick in this draft. And you got to think that eventually that starts paying off, right? You can't just keep drafting, even if they're not LeBron quality guys. Right. Eventually, if you're drafting, quote unquote, the best player in the draft each year, even if one of them bust out. The other three out of the right. four that he drafted are going to be really good, and that's something that builds another team that can challenge those guys. And it's like the 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 big picture is no, it doesn't. Right. But, or I guess short the, term. The short term. Short term. Small is picture no. is no. But the overall thing is yes. It well, and, does and it also matter. you got to look at it this way too. Like eventually, LeBron is going to get old. Eventually, right. Steph is going to get old. Well, like, and money will catch up. Yeah, it's going to happen where those guys just aren't going to be the players that they are right now. And I so. want to throw something out there, too, with this. I almost think that everything is cyclical, right? 
So before sure. it was you had all these teams and nobody wanted to play with each other and everybody wanted to beat each other. And now we've got these super teams, and that started within the last 10 years. When You're right. LeBron started it. Started I with Boston, but yeah. Well, okay, it started, well, it started <laughs> with Boston, but again, that was I'm traded. Just, I'm just going off of that Facebook. No, I, I know. <laughs> and it started with Boston because that was formed, but it, really the, ch- the choosing was side LeBron, of it was LeBron right, in Miami. Yes, yes. And I'm not knocking any of it. It's fine yeah. all the ways it happened. I don't care. But I actually think that we're going to see it trend back the other way where guys right. that are coming in and seeing this and we're all talking about how uh, this isn't good for the game. And at some point, they're going to be this generation of kids that grows up and sees that and says, I want to take it back to right. where I want to play. Like, yeah. there will be this, this this road that diverge, and it goes back the other way. So I don't think forever yeah. are we going to have a league where, oh, there's only two teams each year, and it may change cities, it may change franchises, but there's only ever going to be two teams. I think that eventually these guys are going to be like, you know what? Screw this. I don't want to form I think, a super team. I want to do this the way that it used to be I done. think you're right. The other way I could see it going, though, is where every team is a super team. Because in the NBA, like other sports, you don't have that possibility. But in the NBA, because it's such a small roster, you do have that possibility of being able to, to bring together so much talent on one team. Like in the NBA, you could get two or three guys that are so good that it, it's a super team. Well, you know yeah, what I but mean? The, only, like, the only problem with that is, uh, the argument against that is, there might be super teams in the league right now if it weren't for then if it weren't the, for the mega super teams yeah, yeah right. it wasn't for the the team that everybody points to and says all right well that team's kind of on the cusp of right. being the best team and then all of a sudden you get all the guys that are on their way out that are like i'll take more i'll take less money to go play for this team that's where it's us baby that's where it screws <laughs> up the balance right yep. i mean that's true that's all the talk now with this offseason is that in when free agency opens up in a couple weeks all these guys are going to line up to play for the Warriors again, and it screws right. all that up. Where, where even if the Warriors were to fall back kind of the pack, they always have this, well, we'll just fall back on all these guys. Because yeah. everybody's like, well, what's going to screw them over is they're going to get priced out of all these guys, and eventually they'll have to move on, and they traded everybody last year, and this will catch up. But, yeah. Crafty Sports, who's this? This is Matt. Hey, Matt, how's it going, man? What's up, Ken Martin? Good, man. How are you guys doing? What's good, up, Scotty? <laughs> I'm good, man. Good. I had, to, I had to get in on this NBA talk. Go yeah. ahead, man. What do you got for us? So, if me and my, a lot of my buddies, we've been having this conversation. At what point, at what point, how many years ago, do you think that, especially managers in the East, eventually looked at it and went, you know what, we're playing up against the next guy who is supposed to be Jordan, the guy who you know, a guy who won six straight championships. At what point do you just wait until he retires? Because what other choice do you really have? I, I almost, th- I, I almost feel bad for a lot of teams in that regard. But and that's why I think the same like you were talking about. I think that whatever team LeBron James is on is going to be a team that will be one of those two teams for as long as, as long as he wants to play. Yeah. But I like what's going on in like the second tier of teams. Like, what? I haven't heard you guys start talking about that trade yet for Butler. I, I think. Do you not think that Minnesota now is at least a a top three team in the West? Well, they're an interesting team in the West. And if some attrition happens among, like, the Clippers and if uh, Gordon Hayward goes to Boston and whatever, like, little things like that, all of a sudden they might shoot up in the West. But, again, it, it – 
It's just that they're just in that tier that yeah. it just doesn't matter. I think that's the hard of. part. Like, they could be number two in the West, and it doesn't yeah, matter. As like, interesting and as fun as they may be to think, it just won't matter at the end of the day. And maybe that's all it's going to take is a team like that to pop up. And and maybe it's not going to happen in the West for a while, but maybe in the East there is a team that pops up and is able to knock the Cavs off that – now it starts this cycle of okay, the East is gonna the Cavs aren't the top dog anymore, and these other teams kind of start rising up because that's what happened in the West. It was the Spurs forever, and that's then true. the Warriors got over that right. hump. I mean, it, it, that's it, that is exactly what will happen. So, at Matt, some who's point. the who's the team in the East that you see overtaking the Cavs? Well, that's what I mean, man. I, it's it would be if LeBron left. That's the only time I think that happens. I really don't think that. I don't think that guy loses, um, at least in the East, the way that it's stacked up now, unless you get a major swift, I mean, or shift with, like, if Chris Paul goes to, man, actually, who would need, who need a point guard? I don't know, man. I don't know. That's what I mean. I think, I think, <laughs> See, I think it's LeBron's the, conference for as long as he wants it. That's the hardest part about this whole conversation, man, is it, and, I mean, you bring up a good point of, like, all right, these teams, like, at what point, if you're a GM, at what point do you just go, we're playing for number two. Like, we're not going to spend a ton of money because what the fuck's the point? Like, let's let's wait until LeBron's gone. Maybe that's Phil's thought process. Well, Maybe that's he's doing it. And, and it's and it, it right. It's tough. You look at look at Toronto. Toronto is the team. It's is it even worth making the run? That team's just going to fall off now. They made their run, and what did they really even do? Yeah, um, yeah. So that's I, that's I the prime that, example that, that, of that's the team tough. that's, that's good tough. enough to be number two, but can't so get over I, the I think that I think in the East it, it comes down to you need to a team needs to put together like three solid players. They don't have to be superstars, but they have to be really solid players, guys who could be like a number one or number two on another team, you know. And then they may give the Cavs a run, and it could be one of those where it's like. Uh, on in the right circumstances, we take down Cleveland to uh, to start that chain of reaction. Not only that, let's let's take a step back. Is LeBron even going to be in the East in a couple years? Because he may bolt again next year. He could be <laughs> gone, right? So maybe LeBron goes out west and really fucks up the world. Go, then the East is garbage. Goes and plays with Lonzo. Yeah. <laughs> God help us all. Just please Yo, don't let I that saw, happen. I saw I saw the best meme today. <laughs> it was just a picture of Lonzo, and it says it was something like I heard somebody talking about that, that Lonzo looks like a sixth grader trying to draw a picture of Drake, <laughs> and now I can't unsee it. That's fantastic. It was it was it was amazing. It was amazing. Well, I'll leave you boys with that. I'll let you guys get back to the stuff. Right, thanks for the call, man. Thanks, Thanks, Appreciate, Matt. It, Appreciate it. All right, uh, there's there's a lot going on, and Joe, uh, our resident shit talker, is over here shaking his head as we talk about LeBron po- potentially leaving Cleveland again. I know that's a sore subject for you, man, but it's it's a real possibility. Like you can't deny that that could happen. It could, <laughs> he just goes, no, 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 it's not gonna happen. <laughs> uh, before we get into consumer candidate, one thing I did want to mention this week: uh, FC Cincinnati. Is going to be playing on ESPN. Uh, I think it's ESPN two or it's ESPN be huge. Uh, they play the Chicago Fire on Wednesday in their next round of the U.S. Open Cup. Um, so they are coming off that win over Columbus Clipper, uh, Columbus Crew. So Columbus, you asked me like how big of a deal it was that FC Cincinnati right. beat them. Currently, Chicago Fire is second place in the Eastern Conference in the MLS. So they are 
a legit team in the MLS. So this is a big test for FC Cincinnati. They got an at-home primetime game on ESPN that normally doesn't bode well for a Cincinnati team. (laughs) No. Like, if we're looking historically, Reds on Sunday Night Baseball, Bengals on Monday Night Football. Either one of them in a playoff game. Yeah, so let's hope... Uh, let's hope that the uh, uh, the boys in the blue and orange can break that that streak for Cincinnati. But look for that. Uh, I think it's going to be a good game. I think those dudes are playing really good right now. Um, but I'm not going to make a prediction in that game because I'm you two better off to not touch it. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want that blood on my hands. But I will say I'm interested in that one, and I, I can't wait to uh, to watch that. Uh, so with that being said, we are going to move into consume it or can it. Uh, Tyson didn't give us any money this week, so consumer. So it's sponsored by no one again. <laughs> no sponsor for consumer can this week. Uh, but as always, when we're at the breweries, uh, we're not going to consume or can any. I got to be honest, I'm not going to can any of these beers. No, every beer I, I had think was we've amazing. Ever wanted to consu- or can any of the beers we've been in? No, they're but so good. Which one was your favorite? My favorite uh, of my flight was the fume. I was a big fan of that one, Scott. Uh, you were right. There was like a hint of that smoky flavor, but it wasn't overbearing at all. Uh, super good flavor on that one. And I, I am a dark beer fan, so I knew that one. It was going to come. Like, as I was looking at it, I was like, this is going to come down to the shroominess or the uh, <laughs> or the fume for me. Uh, but that fume is so good. Uh, awesome beer, man. Good work on that one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm going to go rising up. Cheap because I've had it before and I love it. And (laughs) as good as all of the beers are, I've never had a bad beer here. That one just speaks to me. It's it's the perfect blend of everything. Yeah, and it's eight percent, which is so sneaky of it. That was that's what was when I was weighing it in my head. I was like, oh, shroominess is eight percent. Remember how wasted I got at my uh, housewarming party? I sure do. That was when I was walking around with that growler of rising (laughs) up at my house. So. I barely remember my housewarming, and that's why. And so, shout out to Rising Up and Blank Slate for one of my favorite beers. That, that beer is actually coming to large format bottles pretty no soon. No shit. Booyaka shot. I'm all in for that. <laughs> that's awesome. When do you plan on doing that? Uh, it's in process right now. We're actually just waiting on the labels. Um, that's great, so once man. Once that's in, it'll be done. That's really awesome. It's, Any- done, it's done a little bit differently. It's bottle conditioned, so it's re fermented in the bottle to get carbonation. Uh, and it's done to a little higher level, so it has almost more of a champagne-like carbonation to it, which is that which, sounds which is really nice for that beer. So that's actually work. traditionally the way they're supposed to be done. Oh yeah, that sounds so good. Uh, well, that uh, this has been another episode of Craft Root Sports, uh, Scott. I just wanted to thank you, man. Thank you very much. Really for joining appreciate us you and for having us. Yeah, no problem, it was no problem. it was out. awesome to uh, to sit super down and pick informative, your brain, dude. super interesting. That's the crazy thing. I don't think people realize like the science that goes into the brewing. Like people are just like, yeah, you put shit in a beer and it it's good. Like you really think through, and and I think that's what the one takeaway that I got from this is you put so much time and so much effort into your beers that. It really pays off, man. Like you, you do. You do a such it's such a good job. If you really want to bore uh, the people to sleep and go another hour, we can get into uh, the nuances of water chemistry if you'd like. Join us for before the brew next <laughs> week. 
We'll do that next time we come yeah. in. <laughs> I know it's on my list. Water chemistry, first and foremost. <laughs> uh, uh, do you have any uh, social media that you want to plug, man? I mean, uh, yeah, we have all of those. Facebook, uh, Twitter. You know, the whole Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and it's Blank Slate Beer, uh, pretty much for on all of those. Um, our website is actually currently under construction. You can certainly go there, but it's pretty much just a map and our hours right now. <laughs> um, so it's under construction, but it's blankslatebeer.com. Uh, so you can bookmark that and check it periodically. Sooner or later, it will actually be a website again. Uh, and beyond that, yeah, 4233 Airport Road down by Lunkin Airport. There uh, you go, man. It's such an awesome brew. Come, 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 come check it down. out. Yeah, the tap room is great, man. It, it's such a cool atmosphere here. So you you done you done good, man. You done thanks, good. thanks, thanks. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. We'll, uh, we'll tell Gronk to come on out. Yeah, he'll blow hundred grand. Yeah, he'll bring hundred piece. Is that cool? No right. worries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As always, you can follow the show at Craft B Sports. Follow Scott at Scotty K underscore Junior. I'm at Mike Burlon. Hit up the drunk line four four zero thirty seven drunk. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Cheers, everybody. Peace. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start a journey. Not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.